0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cap number 90 for January 29th, 2007. Ah! Greetings, folks. And yes, it's true. John and I are back together after the the breakup. What's this? I was trying to trump the uh, the Van Halen news. Did, did it not work? Oh, yeah, I don't keep up with that. Oh yeah, apparently David Lee Roth's back with the band. Wow. Oh, you know, those guys are crazy. Cuz
1: then it was it went from Van Halen to Van Hagar. Right? Well, and
0: and it was yeah, and then Gary Sharon was there and then back to Roth for about a month and then Hagar and then now they've thrown Michael Anthony out but, but uh David Lee Roth's back. But anyway, we are not here to talk about, this isn't the Van Halen Geek Gab, it's the Mac Geek Gab. I'm Dave Hamilton, you're John Braun, and the rest I'm of you- I'm John Braun. Oh, you're John Braun. You are our beloved listener. Uh, and we are here, we're not going to talk about networking this week, largely because uh, my prep time today was uh, did not allow for that to come together like uh like i wanted it to so that will be the next show whenever that is john's traveling next week so this show is answers questions uh cool stuff that we found and perhaps more in-depth stuff on our itunes geek challenge that i'm starting Mm. to think we'll never truly have
1: an answer but might uh but that's that yeah so you're supposed to say we're, we're, we're we've been flooded with requests about the uh home networking, and we're just sorting through them and just, just coming up with the answers that are just so spot on that you, you'll just be blown out of your chair.
0: Well, that, that's true. I didn't say it that way, though. You, you had a much, uh, you crystallized my thoughts for me, John. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I just that. went to a marketing course, so. Oh, excellent. I don't No, right. I'm kidding. Oh. But if oh. I did, that's what. That's what they would tell you to say. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it was very nicely done. You get an A. Uh, we will move straight into Andrew and uh, his MacBook Pro issue.
2: Hi, Dave and John. This is Andrew calling from the Czech Republic. Uh, I apologize for my voice. I have a cold at the moment. so uh, Welcome I'll to the it club. Too frightening. Um, I'm a long-time listener to your show, and you do a great job each week, especially helping uh, those of us that are in trouble, which is mainly the reason why I'm calling you. Uh, at the moment, I'm having a weird issue with my MacBook Pro. It's a it's a Core Duo, two gigabytes of uh, RAM, uh, 100 gigabyte hard disk, and all the latest updates installed. And the issue I'm having is that after 10 minutes, roughly, my screen automatically dims when I'm not using the MacBook. Which you know, it's it's fair enough, but I don't want it to do that. Uh, what I would actually like is, according to the screen saver settings, after one whenever the screen just switches off. But uh, I was checking on the system preferences and I have disabled automatically adjust the brightness on the displays there. I've also disabled automatically reduce the brightness before sleep in Energy Saver, but still the screen dims. Uh, in a forum I found on the internet, there was a suspicion that the deep sleep widget might be affecting it. So I temporarily moved it out of the widgets folder and rebooted, but the issue is still there. Um, I'm totally lost now. I really don't know what next, so, uh, I, I'm kind of hoping that you could, uh, help me out. It's, it's a simple issue, which is driving me absolutely enough, uh, so if you could help me, I'd be really, really grateful.
0: All right. Well, uh... You know, I've got a MacBook Pro, and so I went and looked through the settings. There doesn't seem to be anything there. And really, my only thought on this is that perhaps the setting got, got frozen out there and isn't being changed. So resetting the uh, the power management, or at least in the case of the uh, the MacBook Pro, the system management controller, and, and we can put a link in the show notes about that. John, do you? Have, I think you've got an idea on this one, don't you?
1: Yeah, I got an idea. So, so first, you know, it was, it was good to hear the methodical uh, approach that uh, our caller took here. Absolutely, trying all the things that I was going to suggest. All right. Um, and your suggestion is is good too. The uh, you know whenever and this this could be the case um, where if you know some of the uh, parts of the Mac which keep track of things get corrupted, you reset them. You know, NV RAM or you know SMC yep. or whatever they happen to call it. But in this case. Apple help to the rescue. Believe really? it or not. I don't know, I don't help. believe it. Oh. Uh, well, I'm going to change your mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, so anyways, you know a lot of people don't look at Apple help, but so so I went to Apple help and I typed in brightness. Uh-huh. And lo and behold, not under help topics, which as far as I know are the ones that are stored on the hard drive itself, but the the newer versions of the Apple help facility also go online. And the third article I saw was titled "Intel-based Macs Built-in Display dims before sleep." Gee, that sounds like our problem. Boy, that, so I basically that, that clicked brought up the yeah. article, and you can also find it. And the good news is, it's a known issue or symptom. Uh, the bad news is, um, uh, they basically don't know <laughs> well, <wait. laughs> what the problem is. <laughs> no, well, it, so, so no, it offers a solution oh, as a okay. right. to temporarily stop the display from dimming before display sleep enable the preference setting, automatically reduce the brightness, and then disable it again. Uh, So this is a hack, but it's a suggested hack, and they said you may also be able to temporarily avoid the issue by putting the computer to sleep and waking it. Okay. No, the issue will return each time the computer is restarted. So that's why I was hesitant to say that the problem was solved. I mean, basically, they're giving you tips for bypassing it. It's a hack. Yeah, it's a hack. That's okay. There's a problem with that. So that's a known issue that this happens and there's really nothing you can do about it other than doing things that are probably even worse and, and more intrusive. So that, that's why I kind of back away from this. I mean, yeah if, yeah, if it totally bugs the heck out of you, then you can try this. Yeah. Um, and, it, on, and, and I see the last date it was updated was December fourteenth, two 2006. So it oh, sounds okay. like Fairly someone recent. is yeah. paying attention yeah. to the issue. I mean, that, that's a nice thing on a lot of Apple support articles is that they have the date created. An article ID, and then when it was last uh, updated, which you know is good in this case, it sounds like it's something they're probably going to fix in a nice find, dude. Coming update, yeah. yeah. Every now and then, you know, I keep going on about Apple help and how there's some poor, you know, intern or co op <laughs> sitting around <laughs> writing all that stuff, wondering, gee, is anybody ever going to see it? Yeah, right. As well, we we know you're there,
0: all right? Cool. Well, uh, we'll have a link to that in the show notes, of course, and uh, and you know, it that's actually their their proposed solution about turning the the feature on and then off that's actually mm-hmm. a, an excellent thing to try in in kind of in a in a general sense whenever you have a problem like this where you say look the preference is off I, it, you know it shouldn't be doing it turn it on force it to be on and sometimes by doing that it'll you know with a lot of this stuff it it's writing the changes to it, it's writing this setting to a, probably an XML file or a P list file maybe out there. Um And if you just leave it off, if somehow th- there's a disconnect, right? And the checkbox is showing out, but, but the P list file has it on by turning it on and then turning it off. You actually bring it through the process of clearing that out.
1: Uh It, it can, it can help. Who knows? I don't know. And that also actually kind of hints at, you know, software test strategy. Yes, you know, especially if you're in a hurry, you may say, "Okay, here's the test plan. Click on it. If it works, everything's great." Right. The test plan didn't include maybe click it and then unclick it, and mm-hmm. it or do all this other weird stuff. Right. And yeah. In this case, it, it maybe it was due to just not enough time testing every single option in that you know control panel. Or it sounds like since it's just Intel Base Max, that it's a uh, you know maybe the not the intel chip but the video driver the 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 new graphic chipset who the heck knows huh yeah it's funny be. it's specific to intel base max though yeah
0: yeah well it's a different power management unit so it's probably a right, right. different piece of software out there doing it all right steven has uh well steven hi
3: steven hi dave and john uh, firstly i'd like to congratulate you on a fantastic podcast i listen to you all the time keep Excellent. up the good work thank you this for two points really that i have um two points recently the college that I work in implemented a campus-wide wireless network which is great. Sweet. One problem though, they've decided to use web security with a key index of 2 and uh, the problem with that is of course that on on my Mac, my PowerBook G4 running 10.4.8 I've no way of selecting a key index from the client end if you like. Uh, as far as I can see the Mac implementation of web only uses key one key one seems to be the default key and there doesn't seem to be any way of changing it now I was just wondering whether you guys have ever come across this problem before is there a workaround for it or some kind of patch or tool that I can use to change the key index and um, I'm a bit miffed as to why Apple um, wouldn't allow the selection of a key and kind of uh, I suppose they're, in a way they're closing themselves off from other wireless networks that use a different key index and that seems to me to be pretty strange. So that's the first thing and uh, any help you could give me on that would be greatly appreciated. The second thing is uh, way back in podcast 29 <laughs> wow. um, you were talking about Guinness and uh, I just want to set you straight on a couple of things. The gas used to pump Guinness is uh, about 75% nitrogen and the rest is CO2. And uh, we don't hand-pump Guinness in Ireland. Uh, the gas is used to, to uh, pump the Guinness. So uh, maybe if you guys are over in Ireland, uh, you should look me up, and I'll show you how to pull a proper pint of Guinness. So thanks a lot, guys, for a great <laughs> podcast, and I uh, hope you can help me out. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Stephen. You can count on it. Uh, yeah, so it, what Stephen talks about with this web key. Is is something that you may not be aware of as a Mac user. That's a problem right there. Yeah. It. What happens with Web is there's the the alphanumeric password that you can use, and then there's four keys, and the keys can be rotated through and and used in a variety of different ways. And Steven's right. Apple's client simply doesn't support any of that. It it will if uh, if you're using alphanumeric or hex uh it 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 will auto sense that basically and 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 apply it but beyond that you, you know it's key one or you're out so uh it, if if anyone knows anything more about this please let let us know but but uh as far as i can tell it will not
1: support other alternate keys so that's yeah i uh, found nothing now a little mini rant. you know yeah. web is uh web is like so like not even last year but like well, <laughs> the, you know, the issue is that... You may want to try something else. Now, that is... So, well, I'm he, totally with you. I found nothing yeah. to get you out of using key index 1, yeah. which, which stinks, but you may want to consider another protocol. Well, he can't, that, right? It's his college that's implemented this, so... Well, what I'm suggesting is maybe they, you know, spend a little time to do something. Uh, like, like for example, my uh, my environment... We have a Cisco infrastructure that, as far as I know, is is using LEAP. Okay. Which, yeah. You know, sure. Starts introducing the concept of key rotation and just you know the the horrible weaknesses that you found in uh, WEP, which I think was Wired Equivalent Privacy, which right. is basically no privacy. Right. That's right. <laughs> uh, I mean, it'll keep it'll keep people away, you know, casual people. But if if he has a wireless infrastructure that's anything beyond. Going down to the local, uh, you know, I'm going to assume since this is a school, maybe I should make this assumption, that they have something beyond buying a whole box of Linksys and just, you know, spreading them about the campus.
0: Well, t- you know, my my experience with that is the, the reason to choose web is there's a lot of clients out there, a lot of cards in Windows laptops that won't support anything else, Um
1: of WPA because WPA won't, I'd yeah say- there's,
0: there's a lot of them that won't do WPA so the college was probably forced to find the lowest common denominator which is WEP and and I actually run WEP here at the house for that very reason because I've had guests come that couldn't use WPA and uh, uh, so that that's why uh, that's why we're on WEP here as well I really so, really don't think you should associate with those people anymore Yeah well you know. <laughs>
3: We charge just them. A different, you know, we just charge a for class here. of people. They, you know? they, they are.
0: I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could rent them a Mac for the weekend. We can include it in part of their, yeah. you know, in, in part of their stay. That's right. Like you charge me when I come up there. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you, uh, you get a, a, a special rate. Uh, Louie has some. Pro- Louis has some problems with ard. Take it away, Louie.
4: Hi John. Hi Dave. This is Louis. On my commute from Madison to Milwaukee. Thanks for helping make the commute bearable. Is it driving? Say, uh. I have several Macs, and I was trying to use Apple Remote Desktop, and I'm able to, with my MacBook Pro, see my iMac, my G4 iMac, and I can see what processes are running, but I can't take any observation or control of that. My other. Uh, imax in the house i can see so i'm curious how can i somehow break through that on my local network within the house and secondly because i do commute milwaukee and i'm using a router i'm wondering what resource i should look at or how i can figure out how to use the remote control coming in go through my router and pick a specific machine i think you talked about
0: yeah we did we talked about that on a, a previous show uh so we'll answer the second half first. I believe Hamachi X was what everyone wrote in with so uh check that out if you need to administer machine multiple machines from uh from remote. I think that uh that's kind of the magic answer there. As far as the first part of this, if you're able to connect to other Macs in the house and remote control them, then presumably everything is set up all right on the uh on the maintenance machine. So on the on the uh host machine I guess the the one that you can't control uh I believe you go to system preferences sharing highlight Apple Remote Desktop and click on access privileges and that in the okay and then in there you're going to see a list of all the users that are defined on that machine uh you want to make sure that first of all the user is able to administer it but I think that's already on and then there's a whole list of options and the last three are observe and then control and then show when being observed. You want to turn on at least the first two of those observe and control. My guess is that they're off. Uh, that that would be my assumption. And if they're not off, perhaps you need to turn them off and turn them back on to get the setting cool. to catch. <laughs> Do you like that? That's nice.
1: Yeah. Now, well, along with, uh, I believe, when you open that in services, it also opens up the uh, Mac Firewall port for that, or does it? It does. Not? Yeah, mean, could be, uh, There we go. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I see that. It there. should,
0: but again, you know, turn it off and turn it on if it didn't, and uh, and maybe it'll catch it. So,
1: got it. Did you?
0: Yeah. Don't don't get caught. Um. All right. Well, that's it. We move on to Doug.
5: Hey guys, Doug from Connecticut, how you doing? Uh, first off, great job on cool. the show, love it. Keep up the great work. Got a question about, about the Apple 802.11n MacBook update for the wireless. I have a MacBook Pro first series, the non-Core Duo 2, just the first Core Duo. Do you guys know if uh, I'm out in the cold and um, if it's possible to replace the hardware um, chipset in there to, you know, to update the uh, wireless for the N? One becomes more apparent in six to eight months from now, or am I screwed and I need to buy a new MacBook?
0: Doug, I think you and I are in that same boat together. I I I I know what the N
1: stands for. Not
0: going to happen on the old MacBooks. Is that what it stands
1: for? Not for you. That's right.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're screwed, Doug. Yeah. Uh,
1: Oh wait, now what? What machine does he have again? I I, he's got he's got
0: the same the the same generation, the first generation MacBook MacBook Pro MacBook Pro Airport Extreme. Correct. But they all Depending had Airport Extreme s- when they came out. And then the second rev, the ones with the Core 2 duos, uh, are able to be upgraded for $1.99 or whatever it is uh, to, uh, to support 802.11n. The hardware's in there. They just need the, right. the updated firmware. My MacBook Pro, Doug's MacBook Pro, the, if you ordered it a year ago, you know, right after Macworld, not going to happen. If it just has the Core Duo, from what I understand, we are left out in the cold.
1: Uh, so you yep. need the the latest generation the core two correct duo Gen- generation yeah yeah well sounds like you're going to be making use of that uh that uh express card slot
0: or uh you know time for another tax deduction or you
1: yeah hey hey
0: hey you- <laughs> does anybody want to buy a macbook pro i know somebody might be selling one but I really i mean it depends i i i don't think i, I for me it doesn't matter because it's 108 what? megabits instead of 54. In theory, yeah. So right. really, it's, it's yeah, it's 54 bit. instead of 27 is, is what it turns out to
1: be. Yeah. So, do you really need that much speed? I mean, well, for streaming you know, video, you might. On this, you know but, I mean, Dave? We're getting older, and you know, sometimes we <laughs> slow down, move too fast.
0: <laughs> Speak for yourself, whippersnapper. Yep. Uh, teach Mac. Is our sponsor for this show available at teachmac.com? Teachmac is an application, it's an environment, if you will, that allows you to learn new things for your Mac. You can download modules from Teachmac and learn how to use all different applications. There's stuff in there for all your productivity apps, for Photoshop, for mail, for general system stuff. And if you're someone that's trying to teach someone something, you can actually create a module yourself. The software can be downloaded for free. And then the modules can be purchased for anywhere from free to about 15 bucks a piece. Most of them are somewhere in the half that range. Or I believe you can buy a subscription. I know you can buy a subscription. They told me so. For 50 bucks a year, at $49 a year. And that gets you access to all of the modules there. All available at teachmac.com. And with that, we will move on to Bruno. Because this is just the weirdest <sighs> request I've heard in a long time. And I want to talk about it.
2: Hey, John, Dave, this is Bruno up here in Brooklyn, New York, I guess down here for you guys. Um, just calling to add a quick question. Is there any way that I can use my MacBook as a headset that can pair up with my Bluetooth phone? I have a Razer, and um, I guess where I live in Brooklyn, I have really bad reception in my apartment, only by the window. I'm kind of tired of having to like go by the window, leave my phone by the window, and, and you know, have to get up and answer it every time it rings, and I was wondering if I could get a Bluetooth um, headset, since I'm on my computer all the time and I'm on Skype and I have a headset already, a USB headset, if there's any way that through Bluetooth I could get my phone to recognize my, my iBook as a headset and hook up that way. Anyway, give me, um, let me know over the show if you can or send me an email at the Oh, all right.
0: Uh, so, I have no idea. I, you know, all the technology is there to do this, right? He wants to use a headset that's connected to his Mac.
1: Hey. Which could then connect Bluetooth to his phone, and but it's th- not unusual because, uh, oh, from what I recall, like for example, well, with your your trio and my yep. Palm, from what I recall, with the right type of phone, you can have your Palm dial your phone for you. You can have for your
0: Mac. You can have your Mac dial your phone for you.
1: Yeah. Yes. So, but I've, what I'm saying is that I've seen something similar on, on Palm and other platforms where you can. You know, have some control of the phone here. The the way, what I think I'm seeing here, you know, typically for either just dialing or uh, a data connection. I think what 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 we're talking about here, which I've never really considered, though, it actually sounds kind of cool in a twisted sort of way. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it makes sense
0: to want to do this, but I think the 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 hooks aren't there, right? The Mac would need to advertise itself as a headset so that the phone could attach to it properly, right? Because when when a Bluetooth connection happens, the two devices sort of tell each other what services they they're willing to provide to to this connection, right? They, they, right. You they,
1: can see that in I think the Bluetooth utility. That's right. If you click on a specific device, um, or or I'm sorry, in the system preferences, it'll say, okay, you know, this device does yep. audio headset, blah blah blah. So I think. Actually, somebody should be able, if they haven't already. I, I didn't go yeah. too uh, thoroughly. Yeah, should be able to whip something together that'll, that'll, you know, make all the wireless connections. And, yeah, it uh, could. It could. I mean, it, it
0: it's certainly possible that someone could create a way for the Mac to advertise this service, but it doesn't do it currently. No, very cool though. Uh, you know, if somebody wants to do that, man, that that'd be uh, that'd be interesting. I, but, I don't know the answer i was I was just searching quick for one thing that I thought of, but i don't I don't believe it's gonna come up so uh no, nothing <clears throat> so we move we drop on that
1: ball, somebody pick it up,
0: please. yeah, that's right. The ball's in the air, it's falling. it, it, it hasn't it, dropped ru- quite yet so <laughs> uh you know every now and then we stumble onto cool stuff, and there were two things this week that that I stumbled onto, one is one of my favorite plugins for iTunes was a plugin called volume logic and made by a company called octave. And it actually uses some of rogue amoeba's technology, rogue amoeba, the people that make audio hijack pro and and all of that stuff, uh, which we're using right now to record the show. Um, what it does is it, it, it hooks into iTunes. It's a plugin for iTunes and it allows you to enhance the sound. I'll be honest, since I got the audio engine speakers, I haven't used volume logic, but, if you've got smaller speakers or uh or you know or a, a different setup it's well worth trying the other reason that i'd stopped using it was it didn't support the intel max and then it didn't support itunes 7 the beta's out and it's been out for a while this is not necessarily news but i stumbled onto it again the other day and you can check it out at volumelogic.com/beta uh highly recommend it uh very very much worth checking out if you don't like it then or if it doesn't do it for you then you move on but uh it essentially what it's doing is it's doing what multi-band compression on uh, audio compression on on the signal in real time and sort of remastering your music as it comes out and you can tweak it a little bit so i I think it's pretty cool Uh, so if
1: you have the little girly speakers you should use this
0: yeah absolutely that's that's actually that's absolutely right (laughs) <laughs> it, it uh it, it can really really help I, I i used it for a number of years I, I bought a license for it when it first came out and uh and didn't think twice until i got my macbook pro actually before that i got the, the speakers and realized you know you got you kind of have to tweak it for your speaker setup because mm-hmm. one set of of eq doesn't necessarily work but it's it's not eq it's way more than that it it it's a whole different concept so com slash beta and then the other thing, you know, John, when you're uh, you're in Safari there, and you go to a website and you type in your password, it asks you if you want to remember it, and it'll store it in your keychain, which of course you can lock or unlock as as you as you choose. Very nice, right? Very nice. One place to store all the passwords. You don't have to remember them if you don't want. Right. Good to go. And you can always choose not to remember them for a certain site. But there's some sites where you'll go and you'll type a password, and Safari won't offer to remember it for you have you noticed this some banking sites funny maybe they have a certain uh html or that's exactly setting that's exactly right autocomplete equals off is is the setting and it's a non-standard uh edition that that uh microsoft added to internet explorer and and other browsers Microsoft. other browsers including safari now originally safari didn't support the auto it didn't didn't obey the autocomplete off tag. But, but now it does. And I mean, for some of us, I, on the Windows side, I can understand, right? You know, you're worried about a virus getting in there and, and getting stuff. Or, or certainly if you're using a computer that's publicly accessible, you want to be that much more diligent about hiding your banking information and all that. And this is one more way that the banks yeah. can, can please their lawyers and say, look, we're not letting people do this. But it's your you computer. for what you say about the lawyers, man. Yeah. Well, it's your computer, darn it. And if you want to have your computer save the passwords, you know, let it do it. And so what, what these folks have done is, is uh, we'll put a link in the show notes, but there's a little Apple script that they wrote that basically goes and modifies the WebCore component of Safari and, and makes it not obey the autocomplete tag. The way it does it is, it, is there's two instances, there's two references to autocomplete in WebCore, and it goes in and modifies them. To change the spelling to like, you know, Z-U-T-O complete instead of A-U-T-O complete. And so it never will reference that tag because that tag doesn't exist. And bam, Safari works. And it'll offer to back it up for you and all that good stuff. So I found that this weekend and I'm very happy that I did.
1: And uh, we'll Yeah, a, you know, I don't know the about this, too. though, because I'm going to say sometimes people just don't know what's good for them.
3: Well, Th- those are people that don't listen have. to this
0: show. The people that listen to this show clearly know what's good for them. Otherwise, they wouldn't be listening, would they? Because they, uh, I presumably mean, presumably haven't gotten caught yet. Oh, wait a yes. minute. Yes, that's right.
1: Yeah, this is definitely I'm a don't really, get caught but... instance. But uh, yeah, but, but I would say yeah for for the the, the you know the huddled unwashed masses. Yes. You, you probably shouldn't have an autocomplete. No, all um, the people that don't yet listen to, this to show. Password to your bank right. account or your stocks or all that things. Because I've noticed that. So I can understand the intent. You want to protect course. people from themselves. Yeah, yes, that's right. Because they're lazy. They're going to put their password on a sticky note that stick to the monitor. Right. Or, uh, here's a good one, under the keyboard, okay? Oh, yeah. Now that we have all the people who have just hurled their keyboards <laughs> <laughs> across the room. I'll never it's forget.
0: I, I was when I worked for Citibank years and years ago. I uh, was in there on a weekend and was fixing a guy's computer for him, and I was the only one in the office. And I had to log back in. It was an old Mac Two, right? But Two FX, I think it was a big heaving Ooh, thing, right? Slots. Yeah, with lots of slots. That's right. And uh, and I got back around. You know, I re- had to reboot his machine for whatever I was doing, and uh, and it came up with a password, and I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And I had no idea what his password was, and uh, and so I I, uh, I he had the, you know one of those day to day calendars there on his desk, and so I went back to the beginning of the year, and I just started flipping through until I saw that he wrote like Judy's birthday, right? Like okay, let's try Judy. Bam, got right in, good to go. Okay, thank you very much. Great. Be careful about
1: these things, folks. Don't yeah. keep your password written on something that is near. Where a person would sit down to operate yeah, your computer.
0: That's right. I mean I didn't even have to get out of the chair to find this password. Yeah. Right. So there you go.
1: There you go.
0: Uh, there you go. Uh do we want to move next? Do we want to move on to the geek challenge thing here and talk about what uh what uh, we're which talking one about there? Here? Where are we here? I kinda of like the last one first. Right? I I do like first the last one. First, but, or... well let's go yeah, let's go in order here. We'll, we'll keep it uh keep it simple. I'm I'm still suffering from this cold. Don't don't throw me any curveballs here. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
6: Hi John and Dave. Hi. My name is Nick from Naperville, Illinois. Thanks so much for your show. I learned something on each episode. I'm really excited that I might actually be able to contribute by providing a solution that works for me to the geek challenge from episode eighty eight. Like the caller net show, I have a network attached storage device. It's actually a simple share um four hundred, which I store all my MP threes on. Each of the Mac and Windows machines on my network use the same folder on the Network for their iTunes library. To ensure that each knows what's on the NAS, I initially attempted to do what the first caller suggested and write a script, which looked at the NAS to see what files were recently added and then add them to the computer's iTunes library. As I mentioned, I'm using both Windows and PCs, and Mm. so this approach would actually only be a solution just for the Macs. So I changed gears, and I actually found a solution that work for me. Um, What I do is create a smart playlist on the machine that I normally rip CDs on, but creating a smart playlist on any of the machines which recently had mp3s added to it is really all that's needed. The smart playlist is set up to gather all the songs that were added within the previous six months. I click on that smart playlist and select export song list and save that file to a folder on the network attached storage device. To update another machine with the songs that which were recently added by the first machine, I just import that file that contains the exported song list. Although this solution does create a duplicate smart playlist on the target machine, that can be deleted but it doesn't duplicate the songs.
0: Interesting. Huh. That uh, That's fascinating. Uh, and I did. I played with this a little bit today, John. Thanks, Nick, for sending that in. I, I that's play, thinking
1: different, man.
0: It sure is. Isn't that thinking differently? Wouldn't that be the right way to say it, John? You want to say it?
1: <laughs> Apple approved or not? <laughs> well, that's right. Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah. So that that actually could work. And and you're right. An Apple script or an Automator action could be written to to uh, automate that process and that might get you there and depending on what you're doing and how you're doing it uh, you know if, if you only need to sync up you know let's say even once a week it sounds like you know that for whatever reason that's not causing the double import uh i'd be curious nick to know if you're telling it to copy items to the itunes library when importing or uh or what but I I looked at this file you exported as XML and uh, it sure looks good. So, very interesting. Thanks for uh, thanks for sending that in. Now we talked about uh, a little bit about the two files that iTunes manages last week, and and Eric shed some light on that for us.
7: Hi John and Dave, Hi. I just want to make a little note uh, in an audio comment about the iTunes conversation you guys are having. Uh, the two files that are in the iTunes folder. The one that iTunes pays attention to is that iTunes library folder. That's the iTunes database, which, uh, if you notice, is generally slightly larger than the XML file that's also in the folder. The XML file is generated by iTunes, but its only purpose, uh, as far as I can tell, is just for third-party developers to be able to read the iTunes library in an easy way, which, of course, is an XML file. Uh, so, if you change anything in the XML file, iTunes doesn't reflect that change the next time you open it. It'll simply overwrite the XML file again based on what is inside the iTunes library. So that's uh, how those two files work. So I guess the solution will have to be a little bit more involved than just changing that XML file.
0: All right, that makes uh, that actually makes perfect sense. So thanks for thanks
1: for sharing that with us. Kind of. Yeah, it makes sense. It was misleading, though, because yeah. as was pointed out, the, the file sizes are, are similar. And actually, I was looking at the XML file. An XML, which is extensible markup language, I believe. I believe you're right. If you look at the file, it looks a lot like HTML if, for those out there who have actually handcrafted, lovingly handcrafted HTML to build a page, especially back in the early days. Oh, yeah. Everything is laid out in there. It's, it's similar, but the, the nice thing is that Apple has uh, presumably published a standard saying here's what all these tags mean because the problem is with standards uh, like XML, Mm -hmm. and I put that in quotes, um, you know, they're nice because there's so many of them, but fortunately at least they've documented this. Now you can imagine the nightmare if everybody in the music industry was challenged to come up with a standard XML definition of, of how, you know, what their stuff's about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but that, that, that's very nice. I didn't know that. So it sounds like they do that as yet another way to kind of bring you into the the uh, iTunes fold. That's right. Let's make it easy for you to hook in and, you know, build all these extra products on top of this. Yeah. Good move. Yeah, not a bad move. It gives be working, especially with the, uh, did we talk about the Apple financials?
0: Know if we really don't, we don't, we, don't, we usually, I mean, we usually allude really to we leave that to Ricky. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We leave that to Ricky. Yeah. But they were right. good. we I mean, sold it. a, yeah,
1: boatload of uh, you know, boatload of iPods and uh, and Macs. Yeah, last that's quarter, not a bad. I'm thing. happy.
0: That's not a bad thing. Uh, you know, you mentioned XML, and it reminded me of something. Another kind of cool thing that I stumbled onto this week. Recent versions of BBEdit, I think eight five and later, mm-hmm. will let you. I don't know if you noticed the plist files that are saved on your in your preferences folders and all that stuff used to just be. Editable as regular text files, if you've tried to open them in, in Text edit recently or, or from the terminal, you'll find that you can't. They're, it's a m- big mess. BB Edit will now let you do that. Um, and I, I stumbled onto that this week. so if you've got to go and edit some some Plist files, you can actually uh, open them up in BB edit and, uh, and edit them there and save them. Mm-hmm. An- another cool thing you if you have a file open and something else changes it. BBEdit will reflect the change, so you can kind of monitor a preference file that way. Anyway, just nice. one of those, yeah, one of those things I stumbled onto.
1: All right, you know it's kind of annoying. Well, we'll, we'll annoying. get to it later. Well, right. I was going to go back to the why do you have this text versus binary deal, but, but that may be a conversation for another time. Because
0: you you need another
1: bit. <sighs> yeah. Well, you know, back uh, the, the, a lot of it is kind of irrelevant now, but you still have this battle between. Should I use seven bits or eight bits? That's right. Yeah. The confusion between the two, and I think sometimes you save it as a binary file versus an XML text file. Yep. Because it takes a little less space to represent the same data. Because I guess that's that gets it. into yeah. when we were tooling with modems and all that. That that was very important. Oh. Uh, now not so much. Not so. Well, much. actually, no. I'm sorry. I gotta, I gotta reflect. Sometimes I do hear stories of people that are, you know, usually not on the east or west coast, who don't have broadband and don't have the ESL yeah I know some of you are out there, yeah but they're but and they're not thinking
0: funny. they're not worried about if they're connecting seven e one or eight n one or any of that <laughs> anymore, man that's just not happening all right, but Adam's got a cool thing here, so uh mm-hmm. let's uh well take it away
5: hey, this is adam I wanted to thank Dave for the tickets to uh du max It's great <laughs> seeing the mac all star band very well uh-huh. um also Excellent. wanted to make mention that uh, I think you guys should be spending a little bit of time on the uh new airport extreme and uh, the uh, the USB drive attachment. Um, I think this is going to be huge for the Mac and uh, not having to go through Samba to have uh, native uh, file support and how this is going to impact all of the uh, iLife applications, potential uh, product announcements from Apple. If you could throw the BS around on that, I'd appreciate listening to it. I think this is going to be huge and maybe it's going to address some of these geek challenges you've had in the past, have right now and uh, maybe we'll see a new iTunes with uh, support for uh, the music library hanging off this thing, and maybe having files streamed to it uh, and to uh, Apple TV. So uh, anyway, always appreciate listening to you guys. Uh, Talk to you later.
0: Adam, I hadn't thought about that. So what he's talking about is the new Airport Extreme base station, the one that looks like the Mac Mini now, right? It's
1: square, man. It looks like an Apple TV. It looks like an Apple TV, you're right, yeah uh and so they went from the saucer to so you see this elemental kind of thing going on here now we're doing squares not cubes but squares that's right yeah well we've we've been through the cubes (laughs)
0: um but yeah this is this is cool because the usb port on it doesn't just let you hang a printer off of it which of course you can still do it lets you hang a hard drive off of it and share network storage and and that's exactly what we've been talking about with these other devices, the, the NAS device, if you will, network-attached storage. You know, then there's there's other solutions. Uh, John was pointing out earlier, of course, that, you know, Apple is not the first. Uh, uh, but Well, that's okay.
1: Sorry, they, sorry. But everybody, six right. months
0: from now, everybody will believe that Apple was the first, so, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, so they win. <laughs> yeah, it's all about marketing, just like that class you took. Um, so... If you can do this, the cool part about Apple supporting this is, or Apple releasing this, is that now they, they may start to write apps that support this this technology, one of which could be that idea of a shared, not just music library, but shared videos and, 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 and all of that, uh, shared pictures, and having your Mac's kind of abstracting that uh, that library management file from each Mac to just put the library management file on the, uh, on the network storage device and let computers attach to it and just use it. If you're on the local network, you know, and you've got uh, rights to use mm-hmm. the songs, you're good to go. So Apple, because of this, as Adam so astutely pointed out, may now solve our geek challenge problem in iTunes itself simply because they now sell you the hardware that will let
1: you do all this stuff that we were trying to do so exactly and you're seeing pieces of this so for example you know TiVo to go or TiVo desktop on the Mac at least lets you share some of your music with your TiVo well that's right. cool right of course the other direction at least on the uh, series three is kind of um uh broken well yeah they don't have cable labs uh approval for that yet yeah they're still they say it's coming that. so um I'll believe it when I see it. And yeah, I was uh, actually surprised to find that uh, Linksys, back in uh, June of 2006, introduced a uh, and, and maybe before, but I just found a, a review here, a little unit that does pretty much—it's—it's it's meant to share drives. Now we've Very seen cool. a you know a hint of this with the uh, Airport Express that shares the printers, right? So it looks like the wireless access points are kind of growing up here and they're you know, sharing printers and sharing drives. and uh,
0: That's a good thing. It's good to share. It is. It's good to share. It's very good to share. All right, how's share. the band? The band's That's good. It's chilly out. Yeah, Yeah. well, you know, I, I, they've been sitting in the corner here. I've had the heat on all night, so they're all right.
1: Mm,
0: nice see you. I thought so. <laughs> Uh, so next week we don't know when the show is going to be out. John is
1: uh, at a conference Leaving for California. California, going A-A-A. to the same place that Macworld was, but for a different show. Oh, cool! What, yeah, uh, RSA Conference 2007 for all the uh, security and crypto uh, type of people. That should be fun,
0: man. You got to yeah, tell it us be. about. You got to tell us about that. So we may do I a show while you're while you're out you there. Anything. You can't tell us anything. Can the you? first rule of the show is. Is it all Watch under fine, NDA? Club. Is it like <laughs> WWDC? Well, no, I mean, is that way, right? The, the whole thing is under NDA, uh, except for the keynote. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think it's more like the media booth, you know, oh, I when got you it. go and you, you say, hi, can I have... No. Yeah. They were very helpful when, 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 when I was at the show. Oh, good. I'm joking about Apple of, of long ago. Yes. Yeah. They, they They're better now.
0: Uh, so we we may we may wind up doing a show while you're out there if we can make the schedule work. Otherwise, and th- I
1: have good enough connectivity. <laughs> right,
0: that's right. Wor- worst case scenario, we'll have to skip a week. Um, we'll we'll hopefully hopefully that won't happen. But uh, wh- who knows? We we'll we'll figure it out. Cash I could call oh, in. oh, I wanted to talk about this. Yeah, you could call in. That's right. Yeah, we could do it. We could you could phone it in as it were. So some of you have complained. That the Geek Gab and TMO's other podcast, the Apple Weekly Roundup, are unable to be downloaded from um, uh, from us in a resumable way. Right, iTunes now supports resumable downloads, but the Geek Gab doesn't. Is, is what I've heard. Ooh. Yeah, and I think it's because of the way we were doing redirects uh, through our server to Cashfly and all that. So this show marks the the first one that is set up a different way, using C names only and not redirects. If you care, uh, hopefully that will uh, solve the the problem of uh, uh, of this. But you guys you guys got to let me know because I I, I I can't be the only one that's testing it. So. Uh, uh, I, right. I don't have uh, that's that came out the wrong way. I don't have a way of testing it, that uh, that's that's sure to be uh, work for everyone. So, please, if you are someone who does resumable downloads, uh, let me know if this one worked or future ones. Uh, hopefully, we'll use it all that same way. Of course, so, if it doesn't, yeah, you let me know. How will we know? How will we? Oh, that's right. Oh yeah. How <laughs> will we know? <laughs> uh. Cashfly, of course, is the company from which this is all being downloaded. The podcast marketplace for this month includes the 6i isolator earphones from Edamotic, the A5 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, TeachMac from TeachMac.com, and Yojimbo from Barebones Software. Uh, Backbeat Media Podcast Network is uh, cranking through these things and oh, working, yeah. working uh, their little tails off over there. So uh, <laughs> if, if you're interested, sign up now or, uh, or miss the boat iTunes comments are always appreciated. What else do we have for him, John? Podcast Alley. Oh, we haven't told them how to contact us at all this show. We have failed what? in that mission.
1: What, 206 666? Geek. Which is also 4335. Got it. What else? MacGeekGab.com, MacObserver.com slash
0: podcast. You can email us at MacGeekGab at MacObserver.com. You can Skype into MacGeekGab, and I promise I'll check it while John's away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that makes it sound like you're gonna check it when you're not uh, away, but th- th- that's actually not the case. It's always my responsibility. What's the password? Oh, that's right. It's written on the, on your keyboard. It's uh, yeah, underneath the keyboard. You got to flip it over and look. That's right. Wouldn't it be funny to make your password like your, uh, your computer's serial number? How many people would guess that? I would never guess to use someone's serial number as their password. Yeah. Right? Well, I would now. Good one. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect someone to do that. I, I never. I, I would never try it. Never in a million years. That's Busted. it. Let's get out of here. You can. uh We've got Gmail invites. I'm burning. I. I, I think I'm out of gas, man. It's cold. It's taking it out of me. We'll it's let the band. Chilly. We'll let the band take Wind. it. Had gas that day. Good gas, not gas, gas. But we were on fire. Yeah. Ah. Don't get caught.
3: Made up.